Welcome again to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Bryn Trimple, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Banu Bahudi, for a new segment that we're excited to introduce. And it's also exciting, I think, because we both get to converse. So Banu's a great colleague, very erudite, and uh, hopefully we'll have a really fun conversation today. One of the topics we're going to explore is really just this notion of the changing labor market and the different dimensions of the services industry as it pertains to talent. There's a tremendous amount of research and a lot of sources in our industry, some of which we sponsor, but a great paper, a quarterly by McKinsey was published back in July. And we think a lot of it's really relevant to what we're seeing and hearing in the market. The report is titled, The Great Attrition is Making Hiring Harder. Are you searching the right talent pools? And Bono, we, we talked a little bit about this and thought some of the recurring themes within we've been experiencing and hearing about with our clients. So give us kind of your take on the article and some of the highlights that you emerged. Let me start by saying I'm extremely psyched for this session because you're right. We don't typically get to converse together. So it's going to be fun, but it was a fascinating, fascinating read in the way they analyze. I mean, everyone is talking about the attrition that's going on, the challenges with recruiting that a lot of companies are facing. What I loved about the article was the way in which it structured its data and research in categories of individuals. And, you know, they basically categorized the groups of people or, or the bucket of people that you can go after as traditionalists, do-it-yourselves, idealists, caregivers. I love that categorization because it made sense then when you went deeper down on what really motivates individuals, right? Because ultimately, the whole process starts with recruiting the right people. And if you recruit the right people for your culture, for your values, for the company values, and keep them engaged with a purpose, then you should be able to control the attrition. You should be able to keep people excited and going and to understand who is excited by what in these uh, demographics of do-it-yourselves versus idealists versus caregivers. I I found that a very interesting way of analyzing the data and presenting things back. And again, the the title for our listeners, because we encourage you to check it out, it's The Great Attrition is Making Hiring Harder. Are you searching for the right talent pools? And it's interesting, I think we're recording this here in early August. And while there's this sort of just cacophony, I guess, of recession, supply chain upheaval, there's this dichotomy or paradox that while there certainly are signals of economic growth slowing, to your point, what we're hearing and seeing and talking to our clients certainly is that the great resignation and the share of folks who are looking for more meaningful work, and then conversely, firms attracting them, retaining them, is still at this 24-month high. It's almost right back to where we were at the beginning of the pandemic. That could change, obviously, right? There could be a dramatic 
downshift in hiring, but workers and folks, you know, of all types of industries, this is really interesting in the article. I think it was one of the headlines, really 40% of workers globally say that they might leave their jobs in the near future. Dramatic and, and staring into the teeth of a recession coming through a really tumultuous time in the pandemic. It really seems to me that, I mean, the nature of work has forever changed. I think what has happened is people are not afraid of stepping out of the traditional path that, you know, they started with and therefore they're exploring. And the trick becomes how you look for talent, potentially not in areas that you traditionally would have looked for them, but how do you look and excite, look at and excite people that are traditionally not targeted for positions, for example, in service delivery that you would have normally done. So it's interesting in that you can't have, you can't follow the same conventional ways of recruiting if you're targeting these people that are actually looking for alternatives. They want flexibility in life. They want to be able to care for, you know, depending on if they're caregivers or which category they're in, their priorities, you've got to be able to tailor to their priorities to be able to attract and keep. Certainly early in my career, you know, I had had the benefit of some great mentors. And even in, I think back to times of just cataclysmic business slowdown, the dot-com bubble, the housing crisis, but there was a really great mentor who, who told me, even in times of churn and tumult, good people are ultimately always hard to find. And to your point, I think folks are just not afraid to take a different than a, a normal sort of linear path. And there's nothing like someone really being empowered in their own career to really just take charge and say, I want something different. I need something that fits me better, whether it's a more integrated style of work into my life or work that has more meaning. And one of the things I thought was really interesting in the McKinsey article, and of course it's McKinsey who brought us so many great frameworks over the years, like the GE matrix and the seven S they categorize nuances within the great resignation trend. One is reshuffling where they're noting that folks are just quitting their jobs but going to a completely different industry, so migrating to a completely different new path. Maybe they're going to temporary work. They're going to maybe more of a consultant-type arrangement, job sharing, starting their own business, and probably all categories are reassessing the demands of life, caring for loved ones, reevaluating, and maybe looking at all this time that traditionally they would have spent either commuting or business travel of far-flung places now saying, let's fill this with something else. And I found that really fascinating. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But then if you look at what is driving that change, it's interesting because ultimately they're doing what they're doing because they're looking for either more flexibility or more meaningful work that means more to them and their work-life balance, or it could be compensation. But it was for me, it was fascinating that one of the number one elements that that seems to be motivating to any of those groups that I mentioned based on this study is workplace flexibility. And we seem to have stepped into a completely revolutionized way of looking at what workplace flexibility means. And I believe that if we can 
we can be creative in offering and giving options to these different teams that are looking for opportunities, we may be able to attract the talents from groups that we traditionally wouldn't have thought about. That's completely true. And, and I liked how McKinsey really wove these trends and extracted these trends around things like meeting and direction, newness, fulfillment into it's normally a very staid kind of data set of, of employment and resignation and then people not being fearful of resume gaps or taking more of a lateral type of move to learn a new type of industry and so forth. I thought it was fascinating. And before we get into more of the article, I mean, we have the benefit, you know, you and I work with dozens of service companies, whether it's IT management consulting or or creative marketing services or strategy firms who have to field dozens and in some cases, thousands of people to transact client work. I have some anecdotes of, of what folks have been telling me, well, what have you been hearing from our clients and, and prospects? It's interesting, right? A lot of, a lot of clients that are coming to Cantata at this point is because making it easy for their teams to do what they do, um, such as automation, providing more automation is part of increasing or improving that quality of work for the client. So one of the number one objectives or outcomes that we hear many of our clients speak to is sort of, yes, enhance productivity, but colleague delight in automation. And I find that more and more Companies are looking for what does that mean? What does that experience look like? They, they get, they're directly getting feedback from their teams to understand what is broken, what's not working, what tools can help work and they make things more efficient. And then based on that, filling those gaps. And that's where a lot of our clients are coming to us and we're helping them in the professional services industry, at least. Yeah, it's almost as if having the tools to transact work and something we talk about with some of our clients, and, and I know you do as well, around this notion that good operations and automation often helps build the conditions for success. But trying to mitigate things like frustration and too many manual processes is one piece of a pretty extensive puzzle to guide things like retention. What I found and maybe, I mean, that's a good kind of segue into, I mean, you had, you had talked about the personas that uh, McKinsey calls out, the way to target the employee value proposition is that this old adage, and you may have heard it, that people don't necessarily leave positions. They leave what they consider bad management. You know, the workplace shift, workplace shift rather, over the past few years, the move has been with the millennial workforce and now the uh, the subsequent generations coming online that that relationship of constant feedback and enablement, the old sort of boss managerial to employee relationship has really shifted. I mean, I knew when I started off working years ago, if my boss came and talked to me many times, I, it was usually because I was in trouble, right? right? Yeah. And that's really changed. But that notion of the perception of bad management really forcing a change and this is still constant, but they began to tease out a bunch of others, other personas and reasons to target retention. Yeah, actually, it's interesting that you bring this up because we have a podcast that's coming up. It hasn't aired yet with Carrie Young, 
And we talk about the whole concept of career development mm -hmm. and advancement, which is, by the way, in the study, that's one of the big motivators of any of these groups. It may be in different places in terms of priority, but it is one of the top motivators is career development and advancement and what companies are doing for them from that perspective. But the point is, not everyone is positioned to be a manager. It takes a certain skill set and talent to do that. And so advancement, there should be paths for individuals that are comfortable being individual contributors to also make career advancements. And I think that is very important to make sure that you don't position people in managerial positions that are not prepared or ready for it, which then in, in turn has serious impact to experience the, the colleague experience for those who are reporting to that manager. And then, you know, we have it all the time, Brent, at, at Cantata, right? Our HR team does a great job of offering different types of training for managers, making sure that they're prepared for all announcements and change management and how they're communicating those. But it was fascinating in this study, not surprising, but fascinating that a big part of reason provided for why individuals are leaving and looking for other options was they had bad managers. Yeah, it's in the study, top reasons for quitting previous job, a full year of data, lack of career development and advancement, 41%, inadequate compensation, of course, 36%, and not... Total compensation, of course, not just being someone's someone's cash, right? Benefits, support, those types of things. Uncaring and uninspiring leaders, 34%. And then it begins to trail into things that we would think is more commonplace, lack of meaningful work, unsustainable work expectations, unreliable and unsupportive people at work, lack of workplace flexibility. So if an enterprising individual who's in charge of their own career development looks at this, it's usually not just one of these, right? But it can be two or three of these conditions really drive them to change. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. The other thing that I found was fascinating is Cantata did a recent survey that hasn't really been published, hasn't come out yet, but will be called Changing Dynamics of the Modern Workforce. And what they identified is 90% of full-time employees and that's that participated in that survey indicated that without a proper professional growth path, that they don't really see having any loyalty to a company that doesn't offer a professional growth path. So again, being able to be engaged, have proper growth paths, whether that's investing, we talked about compensation being number one reason or number two reason for people leaving. And compensation is comprised of not just salary, but all the other perks, including professional development. What is the investment that is being made in professional development within the company and other things like healthcare, everything that makes up a full compensation package. I think those are all very enticing type statistics to, to know where and how you structure your benefit plans to make sure that not only you attract the right people, but you retain them. To the point around folks still voting with their feet and lots of mobility. Again, you know, recording this the first week of 
August, I guess second week of August. The labor statistics and the reading on the economy very much watched came out last week and noted that we had really returned to just about full employment. And there's a lot of talk now about, of course, what's the Federal Reserve going to do? It's really struggling to sort of cool off the economy without causing a um, type of really deep recession. There's all this conflicting data, certainly slow down, macroeconomic data, interest rates rising, less borrowing, housing markets beginning to cool, inflation still stubbornly high, yet we're nearly at full employment. And we're also potentially in a recession. And I know there was a lot of sort of political banter around the actual definition of the recession and so on and so forth. But what we, we have the benefit, right, of talking with lots of clients and talking to service industries. And, and service industries inevitably are very headcount heavy because they're the product is their people in most cases. Have you heard from clients any hints of slowdown or still struggling to attract or maybe maybe the inverse? Because a little bit of the top is taken off the market, there is better talent that normally might have not been available to them. Yeah, I've got to tell you that at this point, uh, there is still a lot of energy that we see with our clients in the market. So I think maybe in some months, we'll get the sense of potential slowdown. But my experience has been most of the clients we're speaking to are scaling, are in growth mm -hmm. mode still. And that's one of the reasons that they are looking for automation is because they want to be able to be positioned to scale and, and provide better experience as we talked about before. But Generally, my experience, I don't know what I know you're also dealing with a lot of clients, but generally I'm not seeing what I'm hearing out in the market yet in that, you know, a lot of the clients that we deal with, there is still a lot of energy and, and excitement about the growth they're planning for. So what, what about you? What's your experience been like? Well, it's, it's the same. And, you know, for our listeners, of course, we work together, we collaborate frequently, but we cover different sectors of our business. So it's a little bit of a... Um, a focus group of two here, but I think there's strong anecdotes. I'm seeing the same kind of sentiment. There's maybe the hints of some caution in service industries, because of course, whenever there's a hiccup in spending, that does trickle to certain service groups, service industries really quickly. And that sometimes results in headcount reduction or slowdown in hiring, sometimes a mix of both. A large client, for instance, in a marketing services firm, might cut a media spend dramatically and that that trickles down to the fee and then what the media services or strategy firm is then forecast but so far looking at quarterlies and some of the earnings of the accentures and the deloittes on uh, the marketing services side the wpps very very strong now those are several month lookbacks but still hearing the same struggles to fill seats frankly it all comes back to talking about Again, career development and advancement. Everyone was in hyper growth, hiring or looking to hire. There may be positions put on hold now, but at the end, there may be a slowdown period that everyone has to work through. And in some of the conversation we've had with clients and prospects is how they focus on cross training during this period, right? How do you use the slowdown to make sure your talent can step in? and be able to accommodate unexpected 
events or be able to step into someone else's shoe in covering different skill sets. So there is a lot of opportunity to use that same base of colleagues and employees and use the slowdown period to actually build up the team so that they're ready to go when the economy picks up because it will pick up, right? I'm glad you brought that up. It's interesting. I joined in my, my current role at Cantata just six months or so before the pandemic. So had that initiation, got involved with clients, hyper growth. And then of course, we essentially voluntarily shut down you know, a many trillion dollar economy for a period of months. And there was an initial shock and we didn't really know what was going to happen. And certain clients just aggressively downsized. Some really paused on a lot of their planned initiatives and just said, we're going to go into a just a period of just doubling down on what we've got because we really don't know where this is going to lead. And then it wasn't long, you know, I want to say less than a quarter to the sentiment you bring up around focusing on training, focusing on operations, using a bit of a slowdown as a period of time to recoup. We really saw that coming out of those first few months of the pandemic. Service firms almost to a T, and it didn't, it was regardless, in my experience, probably dealt with more than 100 clients during that first year. We're saying we are going to grow. This period has shown us the value of things like automation and really maximizing the value of who we got taking care of our employees working on retention. But I wonder if we're going to repeat this pattern again, you know, a bit of a slowdown, use the time recoup a bit and build the conditions for success in the future. Brent, I'm curious. One of the other things that was fascinating about our study and in the con meaning the Cantata study and the survey that we did in the context of the McKenzie article as well, it was fascinating to me that in this survey, 61% of senior leadership said that they spend a third or more of their time dealing with employee turnover issues. Can you imagine like when you think about senior leadership and things that they have to be focused in ensuring the success of company operations and objectives and a third of their time being spent in dealing with employee turnover. That in itself was fascinating to me and, and it highlighted the opportunity with be getting creative to make sure that not only are you attracting the right people for your business, but doing what it takes to keep them motivated and engaged so that they, they stay with you and, and you can retain them. What do you think about that? I mean, tremendous tax on time. And you think of the opportunity loss for firms that could be thinking about innovation, starting a different practice area, preparing for a potential downturn. And for our listeners, the study we commissioned was just released and it's on our blog and the, and the title is New Research. Business leaders spend nearly half their time coping with employee turnover. The senior executives at professional services firms spent 40% of their time each day dealing with employee turnover and more than half, 53% have a problem hiring full-time employees. So I think of the older way of working and coming up in different consulting leadership roles, growth and of course, the prevalence of in-office work. And I think of you know another mentor I had who said, when you reach a certain size in a services firm, whether it's consulting, IT strategy, or marketing services, 
you, know, you build a firm, 50, 75, 100 people, you're, you're really still in that business of delivering great work, insights, innovation. The reason you're growing is your credible clients come to you for solutions. But when you when you tip over that scale, she said, um, this, this mentor of mine, you're really in the people business. And every day you roll up to the office and there's like, you know, kind of the deli counter, right? Of anything from grievances to challenges that employees need help solving requests for investments and so forth. So this puts that really in stark relief. I wonder, you know, of course, again, we, we focus on the services industry. So people being the product, it's tremendous. There was another stat in there that I thought was really interesting, which was that something like 43% of folks who are currently FTEs or employed are considering leaving their jobs to become their own agent and become their own freelancer or spin up a small consultancy of their own. An even more recent piece of research that sort of backs up the McKinsey article. It's going to be fascinating to see where this movement is going to go in terms of individuals leaving full-time employment, going to contracting and being their own sort of bosses, if you have it. And I think it goes hand in hand with not having optimal experience of where they are as full-time employees with leadership and mentors. And so I think if we can, if we can offer that, then we can offer leadership training so that the managers are managing and providing the leadership and coaching that's necessary. If we can provide the flexibility that someone who's self-employed can have, then we're giving reasons for individuals to to think twice about leaving mm-hmm. because obviously there's risks inherent with being your own boss as well. And, and any individual who's making the decision is weighing the pros and cons. And we've got just got to make it more difficult for them to make that decision if we want to retain those those individuals we're considering going on their own. That said, I mean, there's trends all the time between going from full-time in companies hiring more contractors and then going more towards full-time depending on where the economy is and what makes sense for the business. So that's been a long-term up and down and, and change in hiring practices. A McKinsey white paper wouldn't be complete without a, a snappy conclusion. So I'll just I'll just rattle a couple off that there are three points. How do firms address retention, uh, attrition and then ultimately attrition? And they note that uh, sharpen the traditional employee value prop. And that's the folks who are FTEs, want career development, a path to ascension. Second, build a non-traditional value prop for those folks, meaning flexibility, culture, different form to your point, I think is a really great one, different forms of career pro- progression and make it more personal. And then third and lastly, and I think this is really important too, because the notion that companies can broaden their talent sourcing approach, looking at folks with non-traditional backgrounds who might not be looking, maybe they want to re-enter the workforce, come back, but they would engage for the right mix and dimension of work. I think these are really cool sort of salient points that leaders can identify in it. I think you've got some podcast episodes coming up around things like AI to source candidates. And I read an interesting article, it might have been in um, Wall Street Journal recently around how some of the gatekeeping technology really has to transform because it's missing 
people with non-traditional backgrounds and folks with maybe a, a resume gap or being left out. But I think these are really good points. You know, look beyond that traditional vertical career path person, and there's probably a really good reservoir of talent out there. Yeah, no, the episode you're referencing is episode 20 with Sean Kogan, actually, that we talk about a number of interesting concepts around recruiting, but the role of AI in it. So I invite our listeners to, if they're interested in the topic, to look for that episode 20. But this has been fun, Brent. We should do this again. We should. We should. And, and I, um, I always learn something. It's always a, a distinct pleasure. For our listeners, in addition to the episodes we referenced and a few coming up, we have a webinar that's co-hosted with the uh, TSIA called Staying Ahead of the Changing Dynamics of the Modern Services Workforce. So you can look for that on our website. That's upcoming. But as we close, I'd love to hear personally what's in your, your quiver of leading as we're in the, the last throes of summer. Well, Brent, I know last time we talked was when you were introducing me as a co-host. You asked me that question and I said, well, I'm about to read the 21 lessons for 21st century and I have now read it and I highly recommend it. It's, it's fascinating read. So I don't know if you know Noah Habari, but he's a historian. So he puts the whole AI, we talked about AI and everything else. He talks about the impact what life and politics and everything else could be in the world of biotech and AI. And it's, it's fascinating, scary, exciting, all at the same time. So it was really a good read. Recommended. I was, I was going to come back and say whether I enjoyed it or not. Highly recommended. So what about you? Anything you want to share with the listeners? I love to read. I read all kinds of stuff. I'm also a history buff. So I'm getting through a very dense, extremely detailed, annotated historical account of the U.S. Army's Pacific War Odyssey in 1944. So I saw a funny TikTok, I think my wife shared with me, which is, it, it was the, the guy said something like, when uh, men reach a certain age, middle age, you have a couple of choices. You can really get into World War II history, smoking meat in your backyard, and starting a podcast. So I haven't started a podcast, but I am a... <laughs> I'm a frequent guest and host, but what's interesting about the book is that when you when you think of World War II and everything that followed, and 70 years of relative calm as it pertains to no world wars, you think of the Marines kind of in the, their island hopping campaign and, and going to Iwo Jima and Tarawa and Guadalcanal and, and so forth. But the Army mobilized massive men, manpower, material on their way to ultimate victory and Japan's surrender. So John McManus has written extensive historical accounts of that period. This one's dense. I'm chapter two or three, maybe of the pool, but it's really good. But I'm going to go to something lighter once I'm, once I'm through this. I'm always so impressed by the vocabulary that you use. So I know that has to come from a lot of reading and reading of a lot of historical books and books that many people may not be interested in, but I know you are. Yeah. And I, and, and we, you know, in our podcast, we've got some authors coming up. We've had a few authors as guests. We have a few more coming up and I always tell them I'm the guy who still buys in hardcover. So we all have college tuitions to pay for them. So this has been a great episode. I think we should, we should do this every half dozen or so for our listeners. Again, the quarterly we referenced 
from McKinsey's, the great attrition is making hiring harder. Are you searching the right talent pools? And then again, welcome you to go to the Cantata website and look at some research. We just did canvassing hundreds of business leaders in professional services. And that's going to be the subject of a webinar and coming with TSIA. Yeah, this has been great as always. For our listeners, thank you for joining. We love doing these and having the opportunity to have conversations. If you have questions or topics relevant to the services industry you'd like us to cover, you can reach us at podcast at cantata.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts, on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.